It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 at the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wednesday's edition, a special 4 o'clock start of the league year edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. My name is John Schmelk, joined by Paul Dottino. The phone number for you, we'll try to take a lot of your calls at 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513, or get in at hashtag Giants chat to talk some Giants football with us. We didn't go at noon today because we were still in that negotiation period. Now things can start happening. Uh, the John Felicio signing, John Feliciano signing, pardon me, um, is official. You can go check out my interview with him on the Giants Huddle podcast and pull out a nice interview with Sal Capaccio on that same episode talking about John Feliciano up there in Buffalo. And Paul, I guess we should start there since we also got a media availability with him too. And I think... You know, something we kind of knew but didn't know 100% before we heard that media availability was that he's coming here to play center. Mm -hmm. He knows it. The Giants know it. And he told us, despite the fact he's played guard more than center, uh, that center is his preferred position. He told me in my interview on the huddle, it's because, frankly, he just thinks he plays the position a lot better. Well, I think the interesting part about this, John, and and, and Sal talked about it too, but we've also heard that – Feliciano himself claimed he had lobbied uh, for a number of years to want to play more center. And obviously, because of the permutations of the roster, the Bills had primarily used him as a guard. But he says center's his best position. Sal was saying the same thing. He said the observers in Buffalo do think his best position was center. But you, you and I both know how it works. When you're a good team player and the team is on the upswing, you do what's best for the team and not what's best for you until you get to free agency where you now have the freedom of choice and you can tell people, and he in fact also did say there were pursuants who went after him and he said, look, I want to be a center and I knew that Dayball and Shane wanted me to be a center and that's really a great reason for him to want to come here. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he talked about how Rodney Hudson, who is someone he played with, when he was in then Oakland, now Las yeah. Vegas, obviously with the Raiders as a backup. He's someone that he really learned from in terms of being a center. Uh, he said to me on the huddle, and again, you guys should go check out that interview. Uh, go find the Giants Huddle podcast. It had his own podcast feed. That, you know, what he enjoys about playing center is he says fixing things when they go wrong. So understanding who you're supposed to block, setting up protections. He's a smart player. All the mental parts of that position is stuff that that he really is excited about and wants to embrace. Well, look, John, what have we talked about for the last couple of months here on the program? In fact, it goes back to the middle of the season. The Giants were going to have to redo their offensive line. Well, what is the most important component? Yeah, I get it. People always say the tackle because you got to protect the edges. Well, physically, that may be true. But when you talk about the intangibles and the X's and O's and the smarts and the blood and the guts and the heart and the soul. Well, handling blitzes, handling stunts. It's going to be the center. It's going to be the center. Okay? The center's the guy. And and I kept beating the drum. they got to sign the veteran center. I know Jeff Eagles and I were constantly talking about this. they got to sign a veteran offensive lineman. And I'm like, no, Jeff, it's got to be a center. 
It better, and I, I thought, see, here's where I was wrong, though, John. I thought that the center was going to be the big veteran free agent expenditure. And I'm sure you're going to transition into the other guy the Giants wound up agreeing to terms with last night. Um, but it turns out that Feliciano was not the big expenditure. He was the cheaper expenditure, albeit the veteran center that I was asking for. Right, and someone that has a lot of experience starting. He also talked about how, you know, he's like a blue-collar, scrappy guy. I think fans are going to like him. Uh, I, I kind of think of him as almost like a Richie Soybert. You know, who, who was kind of always in the middle of things, sticking up for his teammates, started the first fighting training camp every year. He just seems like that type of guy. Well, think of Nick Gates. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, that type of guy. I mean, Nick Gates had a lot of fire in him. He was a pit bull on the field, and he always was the first guy to stand up for any one of his teammates on the field if he thought somebody took a cheap shot. No question about it. Uh, before we get to the calls, and I want to get you guys in uh, as soon as possible because I know it's a different time. So I want to make sure I get you guys in. We already have Owen and Angelo on the line. You guys are going to be up first. Coming up here on Big Blue Kickoff Live, but Paul, we should mention uh, the move that was reported last night. I reported throughout the day. I stress this is not official. I stress that you know no nothing has been signed. The league year just started. So, but it has reported in multiple spots that Tyrod Taylor um, could be on his way here as a person in the quarterback room. There were a lot of contract numbers flying around. It turns out, uh, based on, again, nothing's official, so we don't know what it's going to be for sure, but based on what's out there, that this looks like it's something in the range we talked about the last couple of days of the last week, where it's on the lower end of, of, of the salary structure in terms of first-year cap hit, which is kind of what it had to be for the Giants to fit it into their current salary cap situation, which we've mentioned a million times, is very strained this offseason. And he's a veteran backup, was a three-year full-time starter for the Bills, made one Pro Bowl, um, pushed them towards the playoffs, has had some injury issues the last few years. Uh, but Tyrod Taylor, obviously a, a quarterback that a lot of teams have brought on to be a starter and be their starter uh, over the course of the last seven or eight years. An affordable mode of transportation as is a bicycle compared to perhaps a Mercedes-Benz. And so that's good that the Giants apparently have been able to do something of that nature. Uh, I think that one thing about Tyrod Taylor that becomes extremely obvious from the first time you watch him is that he's a quarterback who's got legs and he's going to move. He's going to run. He's going to roll his pocket. He's going to take off. He's going to do all the kinds of mobility things that the Giants are believed to want to do with Daniel Jones. I mean, I think it's quite clear Jones has that skill. We've seen it before. And I think Dayball and Kafka, the offensive coordinator, are going to continue to make use of that. If so, it only makes sense that your backup quarterback would have that particular skill set so that you wouldn't have to significantly change your playbook if your backup needs to get in the game. Yeah, no question about it. And, you know, he's run for over 2,000 yards in his career. He's passed for over 10,000. Good interception to touchdown ratio. uh, Over 60% completion percentage. So, look, you're not going to find a much better backup quarterback than he is. And... You know, we'll see what the situation is when, you know, we talk to him. Hopefully, if, if this signing does, in fact, go through uh, over the next couple of days and we hear from the Giants front office exactly how it's going to work in that quarterback room. But obviously, as someone that has a lot of starting experience, and I know given Daniel Jones' injury history, it's good to have somebody in the house that's not going to cost you a ton, 
because they have a lot of money that has to get spent in other areas to shore up other parts of the field. You have to clear salary cap space still to afford your draft class, which they kind of have to clear all that space still, not to mention any other moves they want to make. But uh, really, in, in terms of where you can fit a guy in salary-wise, Paul, this is as high level of a backup as I think they could have gotten, to be honest with you. I don't think there's any doubt. It was a very narrow window that the Giants had to try to squeeze somebody through. And and, and this is a guy who, fortunately for them, they were able to do. I just have one other thing to add to this, yeah, John, please. and that is I hope we're not bringing any free agent Buffalo football announcers down with them. Yeah, well, we're bringing everybody else in from Buffalo, so I mean, you better be careful. Uh, this new in from NFL uh, Network, Paul, the Titans planning on releasing Julio Jones. Mm. Now, they I didn't had see that one coming. just signed him yeah. to a contract extension when they brought him in, no? I don't understand that. Well, well, let's see. I'm trying to find what his dead cap number is for this year. Hopefully, uh, Spot Track will load here for me as I try to get that number. Um, uh, I'll let you know when it does. But yeah, right now, Julio Jones, under his restructured deal, has $11 million of dead cap. So they only save, based on what I'm looking at here, Paul, $3 million in cap space by letting him go. Boy. And you know, they, they never did actually. Uh, signed to any sort of extension once they traded for him. He was working off the extension with Atlanta. So it looks like this was pretty much the last deal of that, last year of that deal, from what I could tell. You know, usually when when a, a star gets axed, it's because the cap savings is going to be five, six, closer to ten. Yeah, three is you know, not a lot. Not usually. Not usually. Not not to cut a player of, of that caliber? No, he's not the same Julio Jones anymore either. He he's hasn't, not. He hasn't been that guy for probably about three years, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, he's not. He's not a superstar anymore, but I'd say he's still really good. Look at this way. 2020, Paul, 50 catches, 770 yards. Last year, 31 catches, 434 yards. But he's also in a different offense. And well, I don't think they 2000, him. 2020 was still Atlanta. He only caught 50 balls for 700 yards. Yeah, but they're so much on the down. Well, that whole that whole team was on the down. Well, it's also injuries, year. right? No doubt. I mean, he's a guy no that even in his prime, right, he would be a guy that every week he would show up on the injury report, right, with a hamstring or an ankle, but he would play through it. Yeah. He hasn't been able to play through those the last couple of years. No, I I, I, I would not dispute that at all. I think, I think one of the things that, that – I would say to you is, I'll give you a really good example of a player whose numbers kind of went on the decline and then all of a sudden they went back up again. Remember James Jones, who was with Green Bay, and the Giants actually had picked him up after he was cut as a free agent or, or his contract ran out. I'm not sure what it was. And his numbers had kind of been on the decline. Giants picked him up. They decided in training camp they didn't want to keep him. They let him go. Um, and then he goes back to uh, Green Bay. I'm sorry, he was with Oakland, I think, right before we we got him, right? He was with Oakland, yeah, I think, that, that one year. Yeah, that sounds right, I think. And then he goes back to Green Bay, and, and he, he puts up something like 900 yards. I mean, far from being done or washed up, sometimes the situation also kind of has something to do with it, too. Yep, the other big piece of news today, Chandler Jones gets signed by the Raiders to clear space for that. They move Yannick Ngakwe to the Colts. For, I would say, so far disappointing young cornerback, Rocky Sin, and no draft mm. picks involved. So that's the other kind of news that we have from today. Still no home for Von Miller. 
Still no home for Teron Matthew. Still no room for Teron Armstead. And still no movement on the Deshaun Watson thing, which I think is probably holding up uh, a lot of stuff as well as those four teams. Uh, Denver, not Denver, I'm sorry. Carolina, Atlanta, New Orleans, and Cleveland are the four teams that are kind of in the mix there. And he's going to, he has a no trade clause, so he's going to be able to pick, you know, yeah. which, which team he decides to go to. So we'll see how that works out. All right, 201 939 4513. Folks, remember season tickets 2022, you could get them. Sign up. Just 100 bucks down, limited seats available. Speak with the Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. Again, you can secure them for just 100 bucks. So make that call. Let's go to the phones. We have some new names here. I like to see that. Owen in Texas will lead us off today. Owen, what's up? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Hi. Um, so uh, real quick, just like on a personal note, I've only called in – I call. I think the last time I called in was maybe like five years ago. But I've been listening to y'all since I was like, I think it was fourteen when I first started listening. I'm twenty five now, so I just want to say thank y'all for all like the work y'all been doing for the past like ten <laughs> years. Like y'all are like the, like really have been like pretty much like the staple of like how I've been able to like kind of keep up with like the NFL and like learn over the years. I just want to like it's very appreciative like all the work y'all do. And John, like the new podcast is fantastic. I've been listening multiple times throughout those i've really enjoyed those with the the draft coverage y'all are doing that's like one of my favorite like kind of i don't want to say niche because y'all are like professionals and stuff like that but in regards to my friends like ask like why like i'm interested in it's hard to explain but like y'all do just such a great job with everything y'all are doing with that i like cannot explain now how much i've enjoyed that uh the past couple weeks like listening to those well, Owen, thank, um, Owen, thank you very yeah, much, first of all. I, I appreciate you listening for all those years. Pearson, cut that. Send that to the bosses upstairs when we put on for our raises. <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, Owen, good stuff, man. It's great to have you on board. The floor is yours. What do you got for us? Well, well I, I need to know, what made you call today if you've been listening for a decade? Um, I, so I started a new job where I'm working from home uh, the past uh, I mean, I was in school, obviously, when I was younger, but the past uh, four years of working in and out of uh, psychiatric facilities. Um, and so I haven't been able to, like, call, really. And so I've usually, like, listened, like, later. Um, gotcha. Well, we're glad so, like, we got you like, now. I'm first... sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Give, give us, you no, can give us your point. No, you're fine. I just, like, this is, like, the first time I've really, like, had a chance unless, like, I was, like, had a day off or I was sick. And usually I don't really take days off because I get anxious about taking time off. Um. But yeah, I just—it was like the first day I saw that uh, John tweeted out that uh, y'all were um, starting. I was like, "Oh, perfect time." Yeah, great. Man. What do you got? <laughs> um, but in regards to what I want the other stuff I want to talk to y'all, I want to talk about two things. I was actually—I don't want to say I was going back and forth with Art Stapleton because it was one interaction. Um, but he was tweeting about uh, state of the Giants, and I guess in regard, especially with in regards to James Bradbury's uh, contract. And stuff like that with him staying on the uh, uh, the Giants roster after uh, I guess 4 p.m. Central time or uh, Eastern time since I'm in Central. Um, but he was saying I, I asked the Saints seem to be doing a pretty good job of figuring it out um, in regards to not us not making a lot of more like higher uh, upper echelon like moves and stuff like that. And I don't want to be like the Jag the Jaguars with insanity that they're doing. But the stuff they're going on that's going on over there is bonkers to me um agree and i like the i like the couple signings that we've made i 
you know, I know who those guys are. I like them. I, you know, I know PFF is a hot button topic for uh, some people, but I, they're great. Do a pretty good job. I like to think, and both of them do fair, have done fairly well on that, especially the uh, offensive lineman from the Colts. Um, but he said something interesting in response to uh, the what I in regards to my comment about the Saints. He says the Saints built the foundation and won games, and had a Hall of Fame quarterback, and eventually, and eventually it'll catch up to them. But it hasn't, <laughs> and it kind of continues not to. Because granted, I don't want Deshaun Watson. You know, I have my personal opinions. I live in Texas, I'm around a lot of people who like Deshaun Watson. I am personally not a fan, and I don't think that's the craziest thing in the world. And I don't think, especially after uh, the John Brown uh, issues that happened a couple of years ago, I don't exactly think John Mayer, I believe you said as much, that they're not interested in Deshaun Watson in any way, shape, or form. Yep. It's great. But the Saints are going to the extent where they're able, able to get a guy who, he's making like what, like $35, $40 million $35 is his cap, and, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they're they're able to go and acquire him when they're in cap like the seventh award of hell, you know what I mean? And I like it's not that like I'm necessarily frustrated by the moves we made, but more of and I mean we kind of all knew that this was going to kind of happen in regards to um, we weren't going to make these like crazy splash signings, and I know we're in a cap difficulty. I look at over the cap and some other stuff like pretty regularly just to kind of like keep tabs. But like, I am frustrated by the lack of like I almost like innovation that it seems like we kind of continue to have like from regime to regime to regime. And just like with Jerry Reese, it was like you know steady, and then when it was you know the end of the his tenure, you know shot a shot with you know Olivier Vernon and all those guys and. Uh, Gettleman did the same thing in almost a worse way. Um, but it just, I, I guess, like, help me understand, like, how the Saints are able just to, like, wave a wand and we're kind of, like, you know, struggling to, like, survive when it's the end of the Sean Payton era. It's the end of the Drew Brees era. I understand um, their general manager is still there who's, you know, very good at what he does, but it's just like, you, you know, you got, you got to kind of understand what I'm saying. Well, yeah, here's the thing. They, they keep restructuring guys, and they keep pushing money uh-huh. back. Um, we've seen them lose some guys. Like, the, like they just lost Marcus Williams, right? That was like their big safety, mm-hmm. and, and they just lost him. Uh, we'll see if they're yeah, going to be able to and, – and we'll see if they're going to be able to re-sign Toronto Armstead. They might lose their franchise left tackle because they're not able to afford him. We'll see how that goes based on what happens with the Deshaun Watson thing. Um, you know, and they have not been able to add wide receivers next to Michael Thomas. You know, they have Alvin Kamara there. So they have managed, uh, but I think you're able to do things like that when you're already a good team. And the Saints were a good team for a while. Um, You know, they won double-digit games multiple years in a row, 11 and 17, then 13, 13, and 12. And when you're that good and you're shit to – to use your line, Owen, shooting your shot, which is what they tried to do and failed, by the way, the last you know three years. But if I was them, I would have operated the same way. You know, when, when you're that close, you try to win it all and you push money. Um, it hasn't caught up with them yet, but it's going to. Because when you wave your magic wand, you don't erase salary. You just move it further down the road. So if they get to Sean Watson and, you know, they have these other good players around him that are left over from the old regime – 
you know, can you hold that house of cards together for a, a few more years, a couple more years? Sure. But uh, eventually, uh, you're going to have to pay the piper on that. And what I'll say to Giant fans that are kind of upset that they're not willing to do things like that, that's what they did last offseason. Like, the mm-hmm. Giants heading into free agency last offseason only had a few million dollars of cap space. That's why when we were on the show, we were saying, guys, they're probably not going to do a lot. They don't have a ton of flexibility. But they structured the contracts of Adoree Jackson and Kenny Galladay so that their first-year cap hits were very small. And that's why mm-hmm. both guys right now have more dead money on their contracts than they have salary cap hits this year. Mm-hmm. They restructured Bradbury's contract. That's why he has a higher salary cap number this year. They restructured Blake Martinez's contract. That's why he has a higher uh, number this year. You know, they backloaded Leonard Williams' contract when they signed him to that three-year deal. So they did this stuff last year. The difference is that all that all those creative things they did resulted in four victories when, for the Saints, they figured out a way to win nine. So that's how I look at it. I think the Giants mm-hmm. did do all those things last year, and I'm with you, Owen. I think the salary cap, you know, it's not make-believe like a lot of people make it out to be, but it is malleable. And I think you can be more aggressive with restructures and pushing money down the road when you're a good team and you think you're in a window to win the Super Bowl. And that's what the Saints do. The Bucks are in the process of doing that as well. Uh, they're pushing all this money back to get Brady back and, you know, fit Godwin's franchise tag and all that stuff. So those teams that are close, I think the Chargers are probably doing a little bit of that, trying to win while before Justin Herbert gets off his rookie deal. You know, those teams can do that because they're already good. If you're doing that before, and by the way, the Saints also trade away a bunch of draft picks too uh, over the course of those years as well. So, you know, if you're good, you can do it. If you're a team that's still, frankly, towards the bottom of your division, I think that that's a really tough string to pull um, while you're still trying to kind of climb your way out of the basement. At least that's how I look at it. No, no, that makes perfect sense. I, I feel like a little bit of my frustration is it's just kind of like the Tom Brady thing where it just like, you know, you, it never, like we always keep saying like he's going to retire, like the Saints cap issues are going to come up to uh, come catch them. But like, it's just like it never, it seems, it's like every year we have the same conversation when these guys are going to drop and it just they keep coming back or they leave and they come back. Oh, and in uh, short, it's a hell of a lot easier to retain than it is to rebuild. Right. That's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. That's a fair point. Um, I think, and so, like, just real quick with the uh, the next thing I want to talk to will be kind of quick. I think with like, and I guess part of the issue that I have with uh, the or the lack of free agency that we've done is I we're so bad. It's like painful. Obviously, everyone feels that way, especially after the past like I don't know four years we've been watching um, these uh, the Giants, but. I feel like in the draft uh, and the issue that I have with free agencies, we just need guys that are, like, playable. Like, I don't care if, like, the guy we pick at four or the guy we pick at seven are Hall of Famers. I really don't. Or, excuse me, at five. I really don't care if they're Hall of Famers. I want guys, like, can we get Corey Webster at five, the number one corner <laughs> on the Super Bowl team? Can we get that? That's all I want. Like, if Sauce Gardner is that, Take him to five. I don't want a project. I don't want, like, Trayvon Walker looks so fun. 
I don't want to try and project him on the outside and figure all that out. I don't want to try and pro- like even like uh, I'm gonna butcher his name. Ikem uh, Ikawanu. Yeah. Uh, that. Sorry. Ikem Ikawanu. That's correct. Ikem Ikawanu. Yeah. Um, looks like a man made of like stone. Same thing with uh, uh, Evan Neal. I don't want Greg Robinson. I really don't. I really, really don't. I want offense. I want David Deal. Can I get a, a starting left tackle in the Super Bowl that's going to, you know, play well? That's all I want. I don't. I don't want Hall of Famers. I want guys to build a foundation. I think that's part of the, of the frustration that I have is like we can't go out and get younger guys that could be part of the foundation at a decent cap number right now because you know our cap is blown to hell. Um, but Sauce Gardner, number five. If he's there, I, I take him so fast. He's so good. They don't throw to him. That's the Real Revis stuff. It's just, oh, my God. I want him so badly. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but that's what I got, guys. I appreciate y'all taking my call. I hope y'all have a good rest of your day. Thanks, Owen. You as well. And thank you for being with us for all those years. I did some quick math, Paul, next year. Uh, the Saints, their top nine players count for $166 million on their salary cap. <clears throat> And by the way, remember, one of the reasons they were able to survive this is because Drew Brees' number came off of their cap, right? Yeah. So that's like a $40 million savings. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason they've been able to survive this. And listen to these crazy numbers, okay? Those numbers I just gave you are crazy anyway. The top six guys, their dead cap numbers are pretty much either over or identical to what their cap numbers are. Michael Thomas, this is for next year, not this year, next year's cap. Michael Thomas, $25 million of dead money. Cameron Thomas, $23 million of dead Cameron Jordan, pardon me, $23 million of dead money. Marshawn Lattimore, $31 million of dead money. Ryan Ramchick, $29 million of dead money. Andrus Pete, $17 million of dead money. Alvin Kamara, $14.3 million of dead money. And that's their top six contracts, and that doesn't count if they get Deshaun Watson, and that doesn't count whatever they're going to pay Tron Armstead. <laughs> so that's a lot. <laughs> let's just leave it. That's a lot. You know, let, let's just – you want to cite an example on how this works and why it comes and goes with the Tide. Think about the 49ers when, when they had John Harbaugh. Oh, and Paul, by the way, I didn't mean to interrupt. They, they, they also have to pay Marcus Davenport, who's a very good pass yeah. rusher. Good luck. Yeah, so, so, so you know, they went to those three, uh, three playoff appearances and lost the Super Bowl when, when Jim Harbaugh was their coach. That goes about, what, a decade ago? And everything was cooking for them. And then what happened? Well, the cap comes home to roost. And then, you know, for the next six years after that, they were pretty bad. And then they rebuilt themselves again, and now they're pretty good again. I mean, it comes and goes with the flow of the tide. Only the New England Patriots are able to defy the natural forces of Earth. Well, and that's because they had Tom Brady. Uh, it's a big help, although <laughs> Mac Jones did a hell of a job for them this year. Yeah, but they, they weren't the Tom Brady They Patriots. weren't the same. By the way, the Saints also went through a dry spell, right? They, they went did. three straight years where they only went seven and nine. That is true. They added somewhat of a spell, too. I mean, that's the natural flow of how this works. Yep. The uh, the system, the way it's set up, you can't, it, 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 it's, it's, it's built to destroy you. It's very hard to maintain a high level of success for more than a 
you know, three, four, five years in a row, unless you have that, you know, elite quarterback that can carry. And that's why the Steelers are so impressive, right? Oh, that, there's no doubt. That, that's why they're amazing. No doubt. Correct. But and it's also why, for me, some years ago, Bill Belichick finally passed Vince Lombardi as the greatest yep. head coach in history because Lombardi didn't have to deal with this right. crap salary cap and free agency and oh man. Let's you know. not let's not get on. Let's not All right, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> let's not get on that tangent. Let's go to Angelo in Dallas. He's up next. Angelo, what's up? Hey, nothing much, fellas. So I'm, I think I'm overanalyzing this uh, Bradbury situation too much, but I think it's very interesting that they could not find a suitable trade partner. So they decided to absorb $2 million hit for, I think, a salary uh, because he's on, the, he's on the roster. No, the salary, so the salary guarantees... But it's still part of the base salary, mm-hmm. so that is my understanding. If they trade him now, that will go with him to his destination anyway. Right. So, right. So, it's, but they're absorbing that two million dollar hit today. No, they're not. Nope. Nope. They're nope. not. It, oh, they're not. The, the money was already there. It just becomes guaranteed. Correct. Oh, right, right, right. So, I, I know there's been a lot of stuff out there that's been published that's totally inaccurate and totally misunderstood. The Giants were in no position to be backed up against the deadline. I know so many people were writing this week on Twitter and in newspapers that the Giants had a deadline that they were going to be charged extra money if they didn't get rid of them by this week, and that, oh, my God, they better find a trade partner this week, and if they don't, it's going to be bad. they got to dump them. Their only they... deadline was becoming cap-compliant at 4 o'clock today, That's which exactly right. they are. That's correct. And the Giants did that. And I, yes, they did. So they were able to still make full findings. Now, it is interesting the timing that has the, that the the publications that Tyrod and I guess verbally agreed, but he's not on paper yet. So that's interesting about that timing of why I'm not sure if it's doing a number still. But so they keeping Bradbury because they couldn't find, I guess, a suitable partner for them. So they're going to take the chance of going through the draft, not having to pay him at all during the season. That's a hundred thousand dollars, I believe it was. Until it's over with. Do you think that it was? It seems like it was best to hold on to him for a higher draft possibility from another team versus cutting him and having that money available, some money available for extra signing. And what's also interesting is now that the probably doesn't impact their draft, but I guess they're just playing a waiting game. Now, I also assume that Bradbury is probably not going to practice this offseason to Giants either. No, Angel, so that, that money, my guess, and here's my guess, I don't know if this is true, is that in the front office's head, they have the money that can save, they can save with Bradbury if they choose to go down that road. That's going to pay for their draft class. That's what that money is going to be what? used for. So that's what their deadline is. And we don't know what offers they got, if they got any offers for, for Bradbury and his contract and what the pick is. They, they, might have, they might have decided that whatever offer they got, we'd rather wait and hope we get something better. And if, you know, I'm throwing a theoretical number out there. I'm not saying this is the offer they got. Let's say a team offered them a six or a seven. And they're like, you know what? If we lose out on a six or a seven, whatever, that's worth waiting an extra couple of months you know, maybe some cornerback on some team, you know, tears his ACL right. in spring workouts, right. they right. get right. desperate, right. then you can move him for a better pick. Yeah, you have to understand, too, that a lot of teams out there who may want a corner may not get one in the draft. So yep. maybe right after True. the draft, True. somebody calls True. up the Giants and says, we'd like to offer you X pick for James Bradbury, 
and it's a better offer than anything they may have discussed with other teams during the course of the last month or two. And there's nothing wrong with the Giants doing that because they may wind up with a better deal if, in fact, they decide to deal them. Because remember something, even though the, the, uh, the GM, Joe Shane, has indicated he'd rather not kick the can, so to speak, they have done a couple of redos, and, in fact, it is also within the realm of possibility, or no, probably not likely, they could do a redo with Bradbury and save a chunk of money, but not as he, much as they if, could if willing, as if, if they traded him, but they could do right. it. If, if he's willing to do that, as far as Bradbury, Correct. if he's willing to recon- take, Correct. take a cut or have the money pushed, knowing that he's on the trading block. So that's probably rubbed him along. You know, That's probably not the best circumstance. He probably said, well, just get me out of here, and since you don't want me anyway. But even if they get the return of the investment, as far as it was after the draft, will be next year if they get that Correct. draft pick. So it's just, it's just interesting how how the game is played, if you will, um, how they holding him now, eating $2 million, they couldn't find something or they didn't find something or they won't take what they may have on the table now and playing the long game and not getting a quicker return on the investment. And if they have to release him first or get him traded first before they can find other draft players, going back to what you said, John, they're going to use that maybe to pay for the draft players that they can pick up. Right. Thank you know, I think it's fair to say the call. that because uh, this is a new administration, there's a lot more patience as opposed to if somebody was in a, oh, my goodness, desperate situation, got to win now, got to make it happen now. Your outlook is going to be different, John, as opposed to a new administration that comes in, opening the window, fresh start, and you know that their time clock for patience is now all the way back to zero, right. and they have a better chance of looking at things long-term. Yeah, and again, they did, they did not eat any additional money by waiting. I just Correct. want to make that clear. This is like what, He didn't have a roster bonus, right? Where mm-hmm. that roster bonus would go on the, on the Giants' cap. That's not what this was. That money will still move out, even if they trade him after that money became guaranteed. so I think that's the key word, John. Make, may, I think we can make, and I, I may be oversimplifying this, but the key words are bonus and guaranteed money. Yeah, and it's guaranteed money in the base salary. Correct. It's not guaranteed money in the bonus. And, and those are the key words you want to look at whenever you see how these things are structured. And I think a lot of people kind of missed that and overlooked it when they were reporting what the, stu- the stuff they were reporting. Yeah. And look, these and look, these salary cap things are complicated. So I, I get it. It's not. It's not easy. No, it's not easy. Right. It's not 100%. easy. So, but again, and again, I we made this point on yesterday's show, Paul. And then we'll and then you see we'll get to you. We have not seen any picks traded so far during this free agency period, except in the two quarterback trades. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've seen any other deals with picks, right, Paul? Besides the Wentz trade, and well. The Amari Cooper trade, but that was only a fifth rounder. Right. Right? And then you had the Wentz trade and the Russell Wilson trade. That's uh, all we've got. And I think the reason, and, and maybe I'm curious to see if you agree with me, you know, even though this is not a great draft for blue chippers at the top, it is a very deep class. And I think with the cap still being a little, you know, truncated, this is, remember, the cap went up from last year. This is still only where the cap was like two years ago. Like, it's not still going up. It's, it's just now recovered from the pandemic. So I think teams are probably very hesitant to move some of these picks. And what a lot of teams probably think even mid rounders is a very deep draft. Well, also let's not forget the fact that because those are picks you're talking about, 
they're going to be cheap players. Exactly. I mean, let's not kid ourselves, John. If a team has a chance to compile some more cheap players, given the cap constraints, and some people are, are really up against it, why would they take on an expensive veteran that they can't take on if right. they can get cheap players? Yeah. Uh, now, I'll tell you this. GMs, and, and I think we've talked about this on the program before, and I don't want to belabor it. I'll try to be as quick as I can. GMs try to look every three years out when they construct the structures of their players' contracts, okay? They look at where the bonus money's going to be, where the guaranteed bases are, where the accelerated, uh, um, um, uh, what do you call it, um, when a guy reaches a, a certain uh, number, incentives, yes. where the incentives are. They look at all of those things, and they construct them based on a calendar that's three years out so that they can have some sense of stability without getting caught by surprise with their pants down and no room under the cap, okay? They always go by three-year chunks. Well, it just so happens that the 2022 season, if you go back three years, 21, 20, 19, what was 2019? It was the year before COVID hit, okay? Before all these numbers started getting scrunched. So you'll have teams going into this 2022 season that have a number of contracts on their rosters that were structured based off a plan that was constructed in 2019 before COVID hit with the anticipation that this salary cap in 2022 was going to be $240 million. John, what is the cap this year? Uh, 209. Thank you very much. And it might not How get about to, that. And it might not get to two forty. You know, I think next year they're saying two thirty. Then the next year after that, somewhere around two fifty. So it's going to take almost three or four years to get back to where it's supposed to be. So you have approximately thirty-one million dollars less on your cap this year than what you planned for three years ago when you forecasted what your contract uh, statuses were going to be in 2022. I hope that gives some people a better explanation why some teams are in more cap jeopardy than others. Yeah, 201-939-4513. We have a couple open lines, folks, if you want to get in before the end of the show. 201-939-4513. Let's go to UC down in St. James. He's up next. UC, what's up? Paul, John, how's it going, fellas? What's up, man? Good. So, uh, three quick questions. Uh, the first one, Dexter Lawrence. Uh, we're seeing what these defensive tackles are getting on the market. You know, B.J. Hill just got paid. I feel like literally all of our defensive tackles get big contracts and do well elsewhere. So, I feel like it would be in our best interest to give Dexter the fifth-year option. What do you guys think? What's the number on that fifth-year option, Paul? Do you have that off the top of your head? Um, I was just about to look it up as he was talking. I think, I think, to be frank with you, I hate to say this. Oh, man, I hate to say this. Uh, but what see. have the Giants usually done with their defensive linemen? $10.7 is what it looks like for mm-hmm. him. 10.7. What have the Giants usually done with their defensive linemen, good or otherwise? They usually let them play it out, don't they? Yeah, but they haven't drafted somebody in the first round yet. They're all second-round guys with four-year <sighs> contracts. So would they be willing to do a one-year deal for 10 with the cap going up? 
I don't I think don't. that's impossible. I, let me put this way. I think there's a better chance they put Dex on the fifth-year option than Daniel Jones. Yeah. Yeah, right now, right now, I would agree with that. I would agree with that as we stand here today. But I also would not necessarily say it's very, very likely that he gets it. I still would hesitate. Well, I think the other question then what you're going to have to ask yourself, and again, I hate to look ahead to next year and everything like yeah. that, but uh, just to you know play the game, what, next year Leonard Williams is a huge cap number. Do you want to keep him at that cap number? If you don't, and maybe they're looking ahead, then that's an easier decision to keep Dexter Lawrence around. Mm-hmm. But if you're keeping Leonard Williams at that cap number, well, can you put another – you know, big-time number there next to him, maybe you can't afford that. So uh, I think there are multiple facets to this and uh, in terms of that decision, just in terms of how Joe Shane is looking ahead at how he's going to construct that roster in 2023 with the cap going up. They do have other contracts next year that are easier to shave off to save payroll. Sure. So just keep that in mind. If I had to bet right now, it's a good question, you see. I would bet yes. I think they will activate his fifth-year option. That would be my bet. Yeah I, yeah. I, yeah, I would be less certain, but I could see it. Oh, I'm not saying I'm certain. I'm just saying if I had to place a bet right now, okay. I would bet on yes. So and I would words, keep my bet, money in my so pocket. It, well, I'm not giving you that option. I'm just saying better, I'm just saying better than 50% shot. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, I agree with you, John, and I hope so because I bought his jersey. <laughs> All right, oh, see now, yeah, now we see. He has some personal stake in this. Now I understand the question. There you go. All right, you see what, you what else you got for us, man? All right, uh, the second thing. Uh, so I want to say I'm extremely glad and relieved that our GM is actually addressing the weakest area of our team, which is the O line. And don't get me wrong, I like the two signings. We really needed it, but I uh, personally don't feel like John Feliciano is a lock to be a starter. I mean, he's got a good shot with his relationship with Dave's and Bobby Johnson, but I wouldn't be surprised if we drafted one or two guys that were able to beat him out, and you never know with tough Nick Gates, right? Look, I, I don't know what the Nick Gates health situation is, so um, if he's 100%, could he beat out Feliciano? I, it's possible. I wouldn't, you know, I just don't know what his health situation is. Nobody does at this point. If you draft the center in, like, the second round or maybe even the top of the third, would they have a chance to compete? Yeah, I would say he has a chance to compete. Then you can always swing Feliciano to a guard spot if you want. But given what we know right now, and obviously those things can change, I, I don't think, let me put it this way, no one else is coming in a free agency that's going to knock Feliciano out of that center spot. Uh, I will just add this, John. I still believe very strongly that the Giants will draft two offensive linemen, maybe three, but I still think they will draft at least two offensive linemen by the time they get to the fifth round of the draft. Including the fifth that's round true. or not including, including the, fifth the fifth round? round? Including the fifth round. Including the fifth round. I think that's a very safe bet. I think that's safe. Because that would that's what, seven picks? They have five picks in the first three rounds. And then, of course, they've got uh, two in the fifth also. No, so, so that's I eight mean, picks. Oh no, there, Paul. That that's not even a. That's not, that's like the least bold prediction I've ever oh, seen. I, well, it's not yeah. a bold prediction. <laughs> the call, the, well, the caller's asking if they're going to add somebody. Right. I'm saying, yeah. I, okay. I absolutely. Well, how about this? That. I, I'm going to make it tougher on you. Take the fifth round out. Do you think they will draft two offensive linemen in the first four rounds, which is five picks? They pick one twelve in the fourth round. That's their fifth. I'm better sorry. Than fifth, better than fifty fifty. That is that is their sixth pick. 
Yeah. So better than I, better than fifty fifty. I agree. I think I think you'll see two or three in the first six picks. Yep. Yep. I hope so. And the last thing I had to say was, um, what do you guys think that we were doing at backup running back? You know, I know that we have Williams from Buffalo, and I feel like um, it would be wise to either add a late round pick. I would look. Or, at, yeah, I would look in the draft, man. Like honestly, yeah. look, you had you got those two fives. You have one pick in the fourth round. You have that second pick in the third round at pick eighty one. I would take a look at those picks. Probably mm-hmm. more fourth and fifth round, and then third. Though third, you might be able to get a really good player. Uh, that's where I would look for that backup running back spot. You always want youth there, man. Like running back is a young man's position. You want young guys in that spot. Totally agree. Right. Just yesterday, though, the Eagles did uh, not tender Boston Scott. And if you're a Giants fan, uh, you know Boston Scott. <laughs> Where's Lance? So he's a, he's a... I'm surprised Lance isn't on a plane right now trying to recruit him. Lance <laughs> loves it. If you know Lance, he loves him some Boston Scott. Hey, I'll take it. That's because he's short. <laughs> I think it is, actually. Thank you, UC. Appreciate the Thank call. Thank you. Um, yeah, Lance loves him some Boston Scott. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think – I would say there's a really good chance the Giants draft a running back this year, Paul. Yeah, I, I, I think we, we pretty much know the positions that they'd like to fortify. The question becomes, who's got the certain value on the board and how badly does the general manager believe that he's got to take one at that price? He may be one of those guys, like, for example, I'll give you, I'll give you a good example, John. We've talked in the past about wide receiver is the easiest position to find an undrafted rookie free agent to find your 53-man roster. Historically, that has been the case in the National Football League. Now, if Joe Shane says to himself, you know what, I think there's a lot of good running backs in this draft, and I'd be willing to wait till the the sixth. Remember, they don't have a seventh rounder. Sixth round is the last pick the Giants have. I don't think they have a sixth rounder either. Yeah, they have a six. They have a six. They don't have. They don't have a seven. I, oh, I, got I, the, I, I just had it up in front of me. Let me look. Hold on one second. I'm sorry. Yeah. I literally had it up. In the, yeah, you're right. They pick pick 182 in the sixth round. I'm sorry. Correct. There you go. Mm-hmm. So that's their last pick. Now, does he think? Does he think there's much difference at the back of the draft and a running back there, or does he go and just grab an undrafted rookie free yeah, agent? That's true too. He might decide to do that. See, we don't know. We know the positions that they need to fortify. I think a lot of us can figure that out. Running back, easily. tight end, wide receiver, offensive line. I mean, right? There's yeah. a lot of depth spots on this D on this team Linebacker. that need fortification. Mm-hmm. But but does Joe does Joe Shane believe that you can get them later? rather than sooner, right. and does he also believe that the free, the rookie free agent pool is going to be fertile for a couple of those spots? And you know my theory, Paul, at the draft. I really value those picks in like the first four rounds, you know, three and a half rounds. I think that's where you're going to get your good players, and once you get to the fifth and sixth and seventh, it gets really dicey. You look at the history, it's not great. It gets tough. But this is a really deep draft, though, so I think your fifth-round picks this year are more like fourth-round picks in other years. You know, I talk to people at the combine. There's like just there's two or three hundred more just eligible players, right? In this year's draft class mm-hmm. because of the super seniors, because of the pandemic, guys went back to school. So it is real that a fifth round pick this year is more like a fourth round pick in other sure. years. That's sure. real. That's not fake. Everyone said that to me when 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 we were down there. I think Joe Shane actually said it to me when we had him on the fan Q and A or we had him on the huddle interview earlier this year. That it's it's the real deal. Like this is a much deeper draft class than usual. We have a couple open lines, so if you guys want to get in, you can do it. I know it's a weird time; people weren't ready for this, and 
catch you by surprise. But if you always wanted to call in, you haven't had time, and this new time helps you, we got 12 minutes. We'll get you in real quick. 201-939-4513. Paul, can I uh, pick a... Can I uh, have a bone to pick with you for a second? What do you got? Okay, here's what I got for you. We went back and forth yesterday on the uh, quarterback cap charge and oh, teams yeah. that have won Super Bowls. Yep. So I can't believe I'm going to do this. I am going to s- a little bit defend the guy that came at you on Twitter. Oh, 12.2%. You should yeah. change the way you're saying it so you protect yourself. Because there have been two guys that have made up 12.2% of the cap. No, Brady did it twice. Yes, and I think one other guy did it, right? Wasn't it no. Peyton Manning, I think, was a 12.2? No, 12.2. The winning winning Super Bowl quarterback was 12. In fact, let, you know, let me give a shout-out to that guy because he's obviously somebody who listens to the show all the time. And and he started out being mean and nasty, and I tried to I explain to him. he was that mean and nasty. Yeah, I thought he was. Whoa, I thought he was. Oh, based and on, then, your, and then, based and on then, your mean and nasty response, I guess I'm not surprised. Well, you know, here's the thing. <laughs> 12.2% and 12%, that's rounding off of the number. No, I'm, but 12.2 okay. is factually larger than 12. 12.2 is factually larger than 12, and I am the king of all facts, right, that's so, what I I'm right. so I agree. Right. And by agree. the way, and on your list that you posted, Peyton Manning was a 12.2% in Super Bowl 50 as well. That's right. And Correct. so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back. In fact, let me let me just read his name because I want the man to be happy. At NY Giants underscore Let's Go. I have it. There right you there. go. Mm-hmm. Okay, there you go. And and what I very kindly explained to him was that it wasn't that kindly. Rounding well, rounding <laughs> off the number, twelve point two percent for the purposes of conversation is twelve percent. So that's why I stated that as fact. Now I understand when we take the spoon and we dig a little deeper into the dirt. It is twelve point two percent. So, so why, don't, why don't you just change it to twelve and a half percent or thirteen percent when well, you give the stats? That not, way you're I, right. I think it's okay, but I think to go on the program and to uh, to specifically say, well, twelve point two percent, people aren't going to remember that. Well, how, but how about when so, you tell them twelve percent, they'll remember. Okay, so here's what you say. Here's what here. Okay, so here's how you should word it then. Thirteen percent is your line. You can't hit thirteen percent. Fine. Okay. Well, that's that's now 0.8 above 12.2, which is almost a full percent. Now, I will say this, too. There have been four quarterbacks that have had a cap charge of over 14% that have made it to the Super Bowl, and that was on your list that you put it up there as well. And they lost. Yeah, but it's just it's one game. They still made it to the Super Bowl. But anyway, yes. he, he, here's, he, here's my larger point, and I want to see how you fight this one off. Last, yeah, last year, Matthew Stafford had a $20 million cap hit, right? Okay. That's... Know, probably like 10.7% of the cap. Right. He was under 11% because yes. Eagles asked me about him a couple of weeks yes. ago. But here's the trick. Do you know how much dead cap money was on Jared Goff's contract? I do not know. $24.7 million, which was 13.2% of the salary cap. Okay. So if you combine their quarterback expenditures. But I'm not combining them. Nobody. But even if you just take Jared Goff on his own. Here's why you can't do it. Paul, just take Jared Goff on his own. It's 13.2%. Yeah, but here's here's the problem. Dead cap money is an accumulation of all your dead cap money from every position in the draft. Just Jared Goff's dead cap money. Just him individually was $24.7 his, his, his was on his own that way? Yes. <laughs> that's Well, that's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's terrible. It was on his own, Paul. Jared Goff's individual dead cap number for last year was $24.7 million, which was 13.2% of the cap. Okay, so, so, <laughs> so 
if if that's a fact, uh, that's a great fact. My my fact still stands no, though. I, I technically it does, but they still they had. If you want to get really technical into it, let me do the math real quick. I mean, they you know, had they had Paul. <laughs> they had twenty four point nine percent of their cap space invested in Stafford and Goff, one of which wasn't even on the team. That's terrible. But it is the quarterback position, so I think I think that does put a little bit of a dent in your theory. Yeah, I I could see the point. I could I could see the direction that you're coming in. Um, I have simply looked at the numbers at face value. Oh no, and that's fair. And that's fair. And the numbers at face value are also historically accurate. Now yes. you're going you're going a different way and taking a different perspective on it, and I don't have a gripe with well, that. If, that if, that's why if, that's why I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm no, if those if those if you. those if you've done the numbers and those numbers are correct, it's certainly a different way to look at it, and I, I don't have a problem with that. Pearson, we can screen one more. I'll make sure I get through these last two guys pretty quick. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Dylan in New York is up next. Hey, Dylan. Hey guys, good afternoon. What's up? Um, Hi. I just had. A- I just had a couple tight ends. I think Paul actually answered one on Twitter. But um, what are your thoughts on, I guess I'll give you three of them. Anthony Ferkser, he was with the Titans. Uh, Paul answered a little bit. I kind of honestly forgot what the answer was. But um, And then I kind of forgot about O.J. Howard. I know he's had a couple injuries the last couple of years, and I, I know he started off pretty solid and then has been limited. And then also Eric Ebron. I was wondering what kind of those guys' market might be or if that's something that, Well, I think the first thing you have to do before you even think about any of these guys, and I didn't have time to put this up on on your response, is that you have to figure out what does the coaching staff want to do with the tight end? Because you're talking about different skill sets for different tight ends. Are you going to try to, you know, get an apple? Are you going to try to get an orange or a pear? And there are different styles of tight ends. They bring different skill sets to different schemes and how they're going to be used. So once you determine what Kafka and Dable want, now you can have a better uh, look at what it is the Giants need to shop yeah, for. And, and so I don't think this is an easy question to answer. The only thing you can do is talk about the skill sets of those particular guys. Right. But whether or not they'll fit for the Giants is a question that nobody's going to be able to answer. Yeah, and Ferkser is not. I know he was on a running team, but he's not like this like burly, big-time run no, blocker. John, I, I already answered him on Twitter. He's not a run blocker. No, he's fine. Like, he's, he's okay. He's, he's a more of a pass catcher, yeah. and, and he's not dynamic enough right. to be a starting split tight end or flex tight end, if you will, because if he was, the Titans would have used him yeah, as look, such. I, I would feel, if you were going to you know, put him in there as a stopgap starter for a year to be an okay you know, guy, I'd be fine with that. I mentioned this on, I think, was it with you earlier this week, Paul? You mentioned O.J. Howard. I think that's a good sell by low target. And with the way the Bucks are counting pennies right now to try to get guys around Brady, I, and if Gronk comes back, I doubt they're going to have money to pay him. I think that's a good roll of the dice, try to you know get something on the low here and kind of roll on from there. See, I, I still think he's going to be expensive because last year— Man, he could be. Last year he was six mil. How much? How much you think he's going to want this year? Didn't didn't he didn't he hurt himself this year though? If I'm Again, not mistaken, I, I understand so I'm maybe that. that might drive his price down. If you if you could do it, go ahead. Try try to get him. I 
I got a hunch he's not going to come down enough to where the Giants can afford him because let's face it, we know they have they have pennies. No, you know, I'm wrong. He did not hurt. He, he actually hurt himself the year. Two before. years ago, it was yeah. That, yeah, he actually actually tore his Achilles in 2020. Yeah, but he had just didn't have a very good year last year. So, so you thank know, you, Dylan. Appreciate the call, man. I mean, that, see again, it's matching up the fit for what Dable wants, but then the other, the second question you're going to have to do, in addition to the medical, all right, maybe that's number two, and the third question, well, medical is probably first. And then the third question is, how much money do you have, and is he coming from that shelf, like we talked about with the quarterbacks yesterday? If he's coming from the third shelf and you can only reach to the first shelf, you're not getting the guy. Let's go to Edgar in Arizona. He will wrap us off today. Edgar, what's up? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, um... This roster needs a whole lot of talent, right? It's just not one or two players away. Correct. What's the idea? What's the idea of trading that? Like, do we have to take an offensive lineman in the first round? You don't have to do anything, Edgar. <laughs> no, I'm serious. You don't. He's a lot right. of fans think you, you do. Don't. But if you're sitting there at five and your best offensive lineman on the board is your 18th best player, don't pick him. I agree That's with not that. Why I did. I would like to see them trade both of those picks for an extra second. And I know here's the problem, Edgar. Really, you need someone. You, you got to find a winning trade partner. Right, exactly. And I, I'll tell you what, the one thing I learned from the combine, there's around six teams in the top ten that would love to trade down in this trade. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> like, it, it's, you know, it's going to be tough going, man. Look, look at it this way. Here, here's what you probably can be pretty, pretty sure about. You look at what's still left on the Giants' offensive line, aside from the, the incoming talent. Okay, you're looking at Andrew Thomas being the only guy that you can be pretty sure about, right? Because everybody else either has an injury question or you don't know if they're coming back or they didn't perform very well. So is it fair to say that Andrew Thomas is the only holdover that you can really feel good about? Is that fair? Yeah. Yes. Okay. If, if, so that's one spot. You know now that based on the machinations of what have happened over the past week, you probably have two starters coming in. Well, that gives you three. You still have two spots that you don't truly know about. So what you need to say to yourself is there's going to be two spots where you've got to be able to draft guys who are good enough to compete for that starting job, if not flat out win it from the day they walk onto the field. Yeah, I would now, be I would be shocked if there is not one rookie offensive lineman starting for the Giants. It's got to be, doesn't there, John? I mean, I guess theoretically, you know, Gono or Pert could be at right tackle and Shane Lemieux could be at left guard, but that wouldn't yep. that that wouldn't excite me necessarily. You have to believe <laughs> that they're going to be able to draft guys somewhere in the first three rounds for sure. Yep, maybe the fourth. I don't know. That's why when John asked me before, maybe a guard maybe, in the fourth. Maybe a maybe guard. in the fourth. Yeah, but maybe. but you pretty much know. They're going to take an offensive lineman somewhere in the top three rounds that's going to be starting caliber that could beat out what they have now. I think that's pretty a pretty good bet. What about the kid from Minnesota? Do you think he'll be a right tackle? Will he have the footwork for that, or will he slide over to guard for, for Mooley, the 6'8 kid? I, I think you start him at tackle and see if he can handle it. Uh, that's a guy you might be able to move into guard. The problem is that there's not a lot of six eight guards running around. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, seriously, it's just one of those positions where you know you don't have that type of height. Generally, you have to get leverage in those small areas right. and stuff, so it's tougher. Now, granted, he weighs you know how much leverage you need at 380 pounds. I think you're just bigger than everybody else. But look, I, I think you start him at tackle. You see how he does. If he can fix you know clean up some of the pass protection stuff. 
and that mm-hmm. he would probably have to be a second round pick though. He ain't getting to the yeah, third absolutely. round. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, two, I would love two defensive studs with those first picks, and then get, go offensive line on second and third pick. What do I know? You guys have a great day. Awesome listening to you out here in Arizona. Hey, thank you, Edgar. Appreciate you being part of the show. We had some new names uh, well, with the 4 o'clock start today, Paul. That was good. Yeah, that was wild. Well, people have different work schedules, yep. so it's nice, and we appreciate everybody for uh, dialing the phone and punching in the numbers and, and getting with us. Uh, John, I'm, I'm still an Aquano guy at 5, but unfortunately, as, as you continue to hammer home to me, <laughs> uh, he's probably going to be gone. Hey, look, to me, look, <laughs> I, I, I'll just say it really quick. If Neil or Aquano were there at 5, it's it, 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 it's an easy hand in the card. You got to do it. And I think you if, know you got to do it. And I'm not as big on Hutchinson as everybody else is, but I think he's such a safe player. If he's there at five and I don't think he's going to be, I think you have to hand in the card. Beyond that, I'm still figuring things out. You know, I got I got one other item for you before we pack it yes, up here. Yes, very quickly. I got wind from somebody in the league, uh, and again, who knows? This stuff is always floating around, and some of it is just pure smokescreen. Uh, that there is no chance Detroit lets Thibodeau get past them under any really? circumstances. Correct. Zero chance. I was told absolutely 100% he's the guy that they want. He does not seem like a – yeah, okay. Interesting. Interesting. So, you know, for all the talk about him potentially dropping down and falling to five to give the Giants uh, a gut check to figure out what they might want to do, uh, I'm being told he doesn't make it. So your guess – and by the way, I still think that – um, one of the offensive linemen are in play for the Jaguars at one. You know, they don't have a right tackle, right? Mm-hmm. They don't. So I still think one of those guys are in play there at one, and a lot of people think it's going to be Hutchinson now, and I get it based on what they've done in free agency. But, you know, if I stole it to guess, uh, I think if I had to guess today, I think the first four picks in the draft in some order will be Hutchinson, Equanu, Neal, and I think the fourth guy would be Kyle Hamilton. That's my guess yeah. as to what the what the first four picks would be. Yeah, the same uh, the same spy told me they're pretty sure the Jets are going to go for a pass rusher. Well, they're going to run out of you. So you think three pass rushers in the first four picks? Uh, you know, um, depends on on what you believe about Hutchinson. There's some there's a, there's a wart that's growing there and well, it's yeah, making he, its way around the league. He can't bend. You know, it's not just that. I'm I'm getting wind that uh, some people are a little dissatisfied with the measurements on his arm. Length. Oh yeah, well yeah, length absolutely. What I think he was he was 32 and an eighth, which okay. is minuscule for an end. This this wart apparently is uh, picking up some steam around the league. Hey, look, Paul, that's the thing. Like the offensive tackle arm length matters, right? We talk about all the time how important it is. Well, if it's important for offensive tackles, it's also important for edge players. They're yeah. going up against oh, each other. <laughs> it's something that you have to consider. The only way yeah. to basically overcome that issue, if you're if you're an edge rusher. The best way to overcome a, a, a little bit of a slight deficiency in arm length is you have to be an outstanding hand fighter. And he is very That's good at that. That's the best way. And he is very good at that. He's very good at that. But this is uh, some stuff that has kind of uh, reached its way over to the clouds no, above my house. 100%. No, look, I've, I've, I've heard, <laughs> I, I, that was a big topic of conversation I had with you know Eric Crocker and Tony Pauline on draft season on, the, on our episode this week. Where if you know he's not super bendy to win with bend and speed around the edge, and you have trouble winning with length, it reduces your you know field of results. You know what I'm saying? It mm-hmm. makes it tough. Anyway, good stuff. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Pearson. Thanks for sticking with us late today. We'll get this up on the podcast as soon as we can. We'll see you tomorrow at noon. I'm going out of commission for a couple of days. I will have no wisdom teeth, 
as of tomorrow at around 2 o'clock or so. So you will not hear from me again until Monday. Hopefully I will be able to talk by then. I'm sure Lance and Paul are rooting otherwise. But hopefully I will be back and talk to you on Monday. Wish me luck. I'll have ice packs you know, chained to my face for a good four days. Be well, John. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the NCAA tournament. Enjoy the rest of free agency. We'll see you on Monday, everybody. And oh, the, tomorrow, what am I saying? Tomorrow, of course, you have... Paul, Lance, and Jeff will take you the rest of this week. I'm not pulling a rust and signing off. Are you sure you didn't get some laughing gas from the dentist before you left the office today? I'm not hosting, so don't bother tuning in. No, no, no. Tune in tomorrow (laughs) and the next day for the other guys who will be on. Appreciate everybody. We'll see you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live.